Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, everybody good? Man, wasn't worship awesome? It was great first service and I had to like lay on my couch so I could be ready for this and it was great in my office. So high fives, worship band. Hey, if you want to, you can open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. I want to talk to you this morning about places. God loves places. So we're going to look at this morning. This is in some ways a theme that I hit on every six or eight months here at the Vineyard. And I do that because this is one thing that we are really called to at this church. So if you want to know what the Vineyard is called to, I'm going to give it to you this morning. This is every church got, has its own unique DNA. Every church has its, its, its way that it encapsulates and expands the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going to share with you the unique way that we've apprehended some of what we feel like God is saying. And, um, So I want to talk to you about how God loves places. First thing I want to do this morning is I just want to read two scriptures to you this morning. One out of Isaiah, and then we're going to look at one passage out of Jonah. Like, whoever reads Jonah at church, right? That's kids' church. We're going to do it this morning. All right, well, it goes like this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released. And prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins Repairing cities destroyed long ago, they will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Verse 4 is going to be our main idea text this morning. I'm going to read that again. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Repairing cities destroyed long ago, they will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Now I also want to give you a scripture out of Jonah. It's the very end of Jonah. Jonah chapter... 4, verse 11. I guess one of the ones got cut off of there. I don't know. This is the Lord talking back to Jonah. He says, he says listen, Jonah, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Your Bible might say, shouldn't I have compassion on such a great city? How many of you understand that God loves people? How many of you know that God loves animals? Here's your scripture. People who mistreat animals, that's a problem. But the main point I'm wanting to get across this morning is God loves places. God loves places. He loves cities. He loves towns. He loves neighborhoods. He loves the suburbs. I'm not a huge fan of the suburbs, but God loves the suburbs. God loves places. See, we've grown up knowing this in church. We've grown up knowing that God loves people. Like, that's one of the things we're beginning to learn around here. Uh, And even if you've walked with Jesus for a little while, 
you, you end up realizing people are important to Jesus. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize that he really does have compassion and kindness and care towards people. Even people who are radically different than us. Even people who, uh, even people who are far from God. God's feelings toward people who are far from him are compassion, kindness, mercy, and gentleness. We should, we should internalize that, you know. But one of the things we might not be aware of is that God not only loves people, but he actually loves places. He loves cities, and he loves towns, and he loves communities. He loves tiny little burgs, and he loves suburbs. He likes streets where there's eight houses along it and really not anybody else. He, he, loves, he loves places. One of the reasons we know this is, uh, is very simple. How many of you noticed that everything in the Bible has a name? Have you ever noticed that? It's really strange. Have you noticed that everything in the Bible is named? So, for instance, like the Bible pays particular attention to include details like this. Abraham not only left his mother and father, but the Bible tells us where Abraham was from. Does anybody here remember the, the city that Abraham was from? Somebody said it. Ur. Come on, everybody say Ur. Yeah. Everything in the Bible is named, including the city where Abraham came from. Abraham was from a city named Ur. And if the city were anything like it sounds, he was wise to leave. Right? I mean, I don't know. But it's interesting how you can't read even a page in the Bible without coming across all these places. The Bible is so about naming places. It's because God loves places. Abraham's from Ur. Joshua marched around Jericho. David stayed in a cave. You guys remember the story about David in a cave? How many of you understand that it wasn't just any cave, but it had a name? Anybody here remember the name? Five bonus points for anybody who can remember the cave that David hung out in. Adullam. It isn't just any cave. It was the cave of Adullam. And there at Adullam... Everybody who was distressed and everybody who was in debt and everybody who was uh, depressed came to David. 400 men. All the losers came to, da to David in the cave. Uh, David was in the pain cave. That's what we call it. Anybody here ever spend any time in the pain cave? Yeah, you have. When she broke up with you, you went to the pain cave. <laughs> but the Bible names everything. David, Jesus was born in Bethlehem but came out of Nazareth, right? Yeah, part of what we're seeing is that it isn't just people who are important to God, but, but places are really, really important to God. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples when he was about to leave the planet, he says, guys, don't freak out. I'm going to go prepare a what for you? A place. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Place. God loves them. Uh, he loves places because they're part of his creative work. And I mean that in a couple of different ways. Places are part of God's creative work in the sense that God is a creator. He has made the planet, and uh, he has made places. The planet is full of places. There's geography. God's made mountains. He's made valleys. He's made streams. People live in them. And God loves places because he's made them. They were a vision in his heart. They were a dream for millions, perhaps billions upon billions of years. It was a dream in his heart. Everything that is was first a dream in God's heart. And so he loves places because they express something of who he is and his own intelligence and his desire to make things. That's one level. But then God also loves places because places, especially when it comes to cities, towns, communities, and 
little bergs and places where people show up. Those are expressions of the people who live there. How many of you understand that cities are expressions of the people who live there? You live in a certain kind of geography with a certain kind of people and then a certain kind of culture and a certain way of life emerges and God likes that. And here's the reason why he likes it. He likes it because he gave human beings creative capacity to continue what he started in Genesis. Not everything that was begun in Eden is finished. Not was finished and is still not currently finished. Some people are like, "That's I don't know about that, Pastor. Let me tell you, it's totally true. Um, when God put Adam in the garden, he put Adam in the garden with Eve, and he put them there to tend the garden and, and to care for it. And then he gives Adam special tasks like uh, naming the animals. Y'all remember that part? See, that's not just a little cute part in the Bible. That's really, really important because part of what God is hinting at is that whatever the creative work is, it is not complete until human beings put their fingerprint on it. And so Adam went out and named all the animals. He said, well, that's a dog and that's a squirrel and that's a platypus. And what's interesting is God never vetoes them on any of it. Right? How many of you understand that when you name something, you own it? Right? You name that dog, you own it. You're responsible for it. When you name that baby, you're responsible for it. To care it, to tend for it, to, to make it uh, fruitful. And so God has this dream. Not only that, but in Eden, God comes to Adam and Eve and he says, here's the deal. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, God blessed them and he told them this. This is the blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Now this has to do with children, but it actually has to do with way more than children. What God is saying is, to, to human beings, I want you to tend the garden, but in the garden, uh, not everything that is, is yet to be. I want you to add to it. I want you to be a producer and not just a consumer. I want you to, to expand human fruitfulness and blessing. I have put in the garden and I have put in the universe the capacity for more. I would like you to live into that. Isn't this fun? See, we think Genesis is like this little kid's story. This ain't a kid's story. This is, this is an us story. God loves places. So he loves places because they're an expression of his own creativity. He loves places, especially when it comes to cities and towns, because they are, uh, they are expansions and they are expressions of human genius. He, he's happy that people have done what they've done. Uh, even in tremendously wicked places, there is still an aspect to where God smiles upon it because even, even in uh, places where wickedness has abounded, uh, there is underneath all of that the impulse inside of people to do something. And God likes that. Even when things go terribly awry, God doesn't like the awryness or the sinfulness, but he likes that, that his project and his, and his genius of what human beings can do is being taken at least somewhat seriously and people are innovating. He just loves that. He loves that. But he also, he also loves cities and towns and places uh, because they're the, they're the context for our lives. And God loves places uh, because they provide, they provide uh, safety and an economy and justice and cultural advancement and innovation. So cities are not just expressions, if I can put it this way, cities are not just expressions of humanity, but they, then they also become incubators for more. Does this make sense? So people will come together. There will be a certain aspect of genius there. There will be uh, an expansion of God's own heart. And then in that expansion of God's own heart, it creates something called culture. Then that culture becomes an incubator and a container for more. Are you, just, 
Is this making sense? This is really fun. Like if you don't get this, what I'm talking about this morning, there's a really good chance you could live the next 30 or 40 years of your life extremely frustrated. I'll say, okay, so God loves this stuff. Uh, Then, uh, see, cities and towns, they provide economy, uh, safety, justice, cultural advancement, innovation. So uh, when we live alone or really scattered, uh, all of these kinds of things really suffer. So back in the day when people lived really far apart, like the emergence of the Wild West... When the, uh, when, when, when the West was being settled, y'all seen some movies like when people would get in little wagon trains and they would, you know, head from the populated East out to the West. What always happened in the wagon train going West? What's that? Well, Indians, but, but not just Indians. What they would, more generally, they would get attacked, right? Why? Because the more scattered people are, the more scattered people are, the less safe they are. This is, this is not just... This is not just something that movies key in on. This is true. This is actual true. So in the, in the West, uh, or any place that's, for the most part, unpopulated, there's not much density to it, uh, the further you go out and the more isolated or alone you are, uh, the, the more danger you're in. Uh, from other people, from wild animals, from the elements, uh, safety goes through the floor in isolation. When people live together, we're safer. Not only that, but in the Wild West, there was no justice there was no justice. The only justice that, that existed in the frontier was the justice of whoever's strongest. Whoever has the most bullets, the most guns, and the biggest biceps, that's the justice in the land. If you are uh, a smaller person, if you are isolated or alone, you are subject to whoever's strong. Does this make sense? Uh, this is another reason why God loves cities. Because cities provide the context for justice. A place where the weak and the minority and the least... And the lost can have a voice. You might beat up a person or two in a city. You might be a real tough guy. You might get your way. You might throw away your inv- throw around your weight and your influence. You might smash a few faces. You might rob a few people. But eventually the community will come to you and say, no. And can I tell you something? God loves that. He loves that. He loves that when people live together, that it's safer for them, safer for their bodies. He loves that, there's, that justice is a possibility. Uh, the economy grows. Like if you live out by yourself, there's no economy. You just have to, you have to scratch it out. You have to scratch it out. You, uh, you know how these people are like, you know, doing this like frontier thing in Alaska? There's all these shows about frontier people in Alaska. I like watching them, but it's depressing. <laughs> you know, they're out there like trying to catch it. We need... We need, uh, you know, 150 pounds of salmon for the winter, and if we don't, we'll die. It's like, guys, just come back. There's Kroger down the street. <laughs> and then, not in addition to all of this, uh, art, culture, and innovation, which are, in some ways, uh, the last things that ever happen among a group of people, those have no possibility when we live scattered, isolated, alone lives on the frontier. How many of you understand that if you're out on the frontier and you're pioneering and you're in expansion mode, uh, the one thing that's probably not going to happen is great works of music, art, theater, literature. Uh, You you know why? Because you just don't have time. You just got to go find some bear meat, you know? I need bear meat right now. I don't care about what my cabin looks like on the inside. I just need there to be wood in the stove and bear meat or something. I don't know. 
But God loves cities because they become containers for greatness. Here's the deal. Uh, The reason why New York City is uh, is so culturally relevant is because there's a population density there. And when population gets a certain kind of density, uh, uh, great things happen. When people come together, amazing things happen. Amazing God and God loves this stuff. God loves places. So community provides the space for peace and stability to take root. And this is big time stuff for God. And then community also provides a place for human flourishing. God has this dream, he wants people to flourish. It happens in community. Now this is what towns and cities are supposed to do. Now this doesn't mean that it always happens. Cities and towns uh, uh, can be places that are tragically broken. Uh, minorities can still be oppressed in cities. We're seeing that play out before us right now. Joblessness can become systemic, even in once great cities like Detroit. You know, uh, 60 years ago, Detroit was, uh, you know, totally full. 50, 60, 40 years ago, Detroit's booming. Uh, now it's a ghost town. But it's, even it's going through a renewal. So uh, just because this is how it's supposed to happen doesn't mean it always does happen. But, but there's a better chance for it. And you might be asking, well, why, does, why do these sometimes terrible things happen in uh, places that God loves, and why did they not operate the way they're supposed to? Well, it's very simple. It's called sin. Sin. Uh, sin is not just a personal, private, uh, individual issue. Sin is oftentimes systemic, systemic, and it always works its way up into uh, the the highest institutions of of uh, of government and of human flourishing. Uh, sin is not just a me problem; it's a we problem, and then. When Paul talks about powers and principalities, he's really talking about the, the systemic uh, dysfunction that exists. How many of you understand that, that even when government tries to help people, sometimes in an effort to try to help people, people don't get helped and they get hurt more? You know what I mean? No, should government try to help people? Yes. But because of sin, it just becomes really complicated. Anyway, back to our topic. There's three main reasons why God loves places. One, he just loves creation. He loves what he's made. Uh, two, cities and towns are expressions of, uh, of the people that he loves dearly. And then three, uh, the cities and towns are incubators uh, of the people for further human flourishing. Those are the three reasons that God loves places. There's this dynamic in God's kingdom. And it's not just in God's kingdom. It's something he's sown into the universe uh, where everything is Exponential. So if you plant one kernel of corn in the ground, you get one plant that comes up with two ears, and on the two ears, there are hundreds of kernels on each. From uh, This is why, uh, this is why the, that sin and righteousness are such big deals, because things can explode for good and for evil really quickly. Really quickly. Uh, this is why here at the vineyard, this is why here at the vineyard, we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let it, let it come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That is not a benign prayer, by the way. That's not some little, like, a folding of the hands for four-year-olds. And, you know, well, just, oh, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this. That's not what it is. That prayer is transformational. It is radical. And it is an affirmation of, of God's original uh, design. And it's an affirmation of his original dream that the earth would be amazing. And so we pray that. That's why we pray that. Now you might be thinking, well, what does any of this have to do with us and church on a Sunday morning? This doesn't seem like church. 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Because this has a lot to do with this morning. It has a lot to do with us and what I feel like we're called to. Um, A few weeks ago, I'll frame it like this. A few weeks ago, an article began circulating on social media. I'm sure lots of you saw it. I saw it. It was an article called The Ten Worst Places to Live in Kentucky. How many of y'all saw that? Yeah, first service, it was like everyone. Ten worst places to live in Kentucky. And wouldn't you know it, Campbellsville's on it. We're number seven. Not as bad as Monticello. Slightly better than others. Yeah, so this article began circulating called The Ten Worst Places to Live in Kentucky. Campbellsville was on it. Not exactly the sort of list you want to make. I want to say a couple things about that post up front. Uh, The first thing I want to say is that this is not a reputable post. Uh, This was not a result of research done by a Gallup poll or maybe some really smart people at the New York Times or the Washington Post. This was not a result of state-funded research. It was basically clickbait. You guys know what clickbait is, don't you? You know, like salacious headlines that you just can't help it, you have to click it. You know, things like, see what celebrities look like in their swimsuits? You just, you just click it. She, she's awful. Click it. Makes us feel better about ourselves. It's lowest common denominator stuff. It's also an example of how you make it on the internet today. If some of you guys and gals are wondering how to make it on the internet today, here, here it is. It's really simple. Uh, be controversial. You don't have to be right. You can be wrong. Just be controversial. Uh, write open letters to people. Start a blog. Write an open letter to someone. Come out against someone or something really, really hard, and your blog will blow up. Uh, write a blog about how everybody who's a Democrat's an idiot. Write a blog about how everybody who's a Republican uh, hates poor people, and you're there. You know what I mean? That's what you do. That's how the Internet works, uh, especially uh, Bible ones. Christians are the worst. Write a blog about how everyone who's of this theological persuasion is an idiot and wants everyone to burn in hell. You'll, your blog will explode. Anyway, so this post, it wasn't reputable. It's mostly clickbait. But at the same time, there was more than a grain of truth in what it had to say. So I just want to share some stuff with you guys about our community. Um, I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but there's not many good jobs. There are not many good jobs in Campbellsville. And how many of you understand that you cannot raise a family on minimum wage? How many of you understand that if you double minimum wage, you still can't raise a family? I've done the math. I have a family. I know these things. How many of you understand that even if you watch your pennies quite closely, it takes more than a few bucks to raise a family, and there aren't many jobs around here that are capable of producing it? There's so many people in Taylor County living below the poverty line that pretty much every student at Taylor County gets free lunch. Let me say something about the free lunch program. 
I think it's great. I think that people who don't have enough money and don't have any food should have a free lunch at school. That's not the point. The point is that our economy is so wrecked here that that's a reality. That's a reality. You hear what I'm saying, right? All right, so there's not many jobs. Pretty much everybody gets free lunch. Um, also, our schools are very middle of the road. Very, very middle of the road. Uh, one of our schools is very middle of the road, and then one of our other schools is very, very bottom of the road. Spent a couple hours looking at a few things this week. Not only that, but here in Campbellsville and Taylor County, we experience profound brain drain. You guys know what brain drain is? It's when our, when our best and our brightest and our smartest who grow up here, they go to college and they never come back. This is one of the things that I think we need to pray about most. We need to pray that people would begin to get a vision for our community so that the very smartest people would stay. Because the, the things that God wants to do next in Taylor County and Campbellsville are not going to happen with mediocre minds. We need brilliant people. We need brilliant people. We experience brain drain. Um, also, our economy is not particularly generative. And here's what I mean by a generative economy. What I mean is that there's really nothing here that's cutting edge in the sense that it's driving and uh, activating the economy. Our, con- our economy is almost completely passive and reactive. It's based on other things that are planted in other places. There, there's really nothing here that's generative. We need something generative. And I believe when we pray prayers like, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, part of what we're praying when we live in this community is, God, we need a generative economy. We need brilliant minds. We need the next thing. And then, this is, um, this is also very sad. Uh, Taylor County is a drug-addicted people. I've pastored at this church for a long time. I've been lead pastor here for eight years, and I was worship pastor nine years before that. And if there's anything that I can, can consistently say that ruins lives of people in Taylor County, the first thing that I can say it is, it's always drugs. It's either drugs in that person's life or drug in that person's immediate family. Uh, it is, it is, and it's not just here, it's everywhere, but there's, there's something here, you guys. We're an addicted, we're an addicted, addicted people. There's a pill for everything, and we're just, we're swallowing them by handfuls. And it, it's, it's crazy some of the things that we've been involved in. And then, and then, and this is the one that, to me, has been highlighted lately and is really troubling. Uh, here, in, here in Campbellsville, we have a wrong side of the tracks. I don't know if you're aware of this. Here in Campbellsville, we do have a wrong side of the tracks, even though we don't have a, a, a train station or a railroad anymore. We have a wrong side of the tracks, and it's called Broadway. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. It's actually very profound. I'm going to go into it just a little bit, but I'm not going to go into it as deeply as I could because I don't want to... Some of it just is not helpful. You know what I mean? But I will put it like this. Broadway runs right through Taylor County, and everything that happens on the north side of the Broadway, for the most part, for the most part, north of Broadway is more affluent, it is white, and it is stable. South of Broadway, for the most part, is way poorer, it's ethnically browner, it's often unstable, and I realize that these are generalizations, and I realize that there are exceptions to that, and I say it with a lot of humility, but it's basically true. In fact, we have a school that's north of Broadway, that's middle of the road, and we have a school that's south of Broadway, and it's way, way at the bottom of the road. I mean, we could, there's a lot of metrics that we can work this by, 
But one of the things that we're seeing here is that there is very much this idea lived out in our own community. Uh, we are very segregated uh, economically, socially, eth ethnically, and it is on Broadway. Now, I wanted to bring all of this up because I want to shine a light on it. Anything that lives in darkness gets to stay in darkness. But anything that gets the light shone on it has the chance for God to move on it. I wanted to shine a light on it because I wanted to preach the good news for a few minutes. I wanted to preach the good news for a few minutes. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us. And he wants us to bring good news to the poor. He wants us to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and that the prisoners will be free. For everybody who's mourning, there's favor from God available. There's beauty for ashes. There's joy for mourning. There's praise for heaviness. God's dream is that the broken would be called oaks of righteousness and that our ruined city would be rebuilt and repaired and revived. I believe that's God's dream right here among us. See, I wanted to preach the gospel like this because it's a gospel our city and our state really, really needs. And I also wanted to preach the gospel like that. I want to frame it like that because for many of us, the gospel is mostly a private, internal, post-mortem affair. Meaning that it is about me, it's about my personal salvation, and it's largely stuck in a time that I will only experience after death. And I want to tell you guys, that is half true, but it's mostly hogwash. Uh, the true nature of God's kingdom is that it is present, it is here, it is now, and it's not just for me, it's for us. It's not just Acts chapter 2, it's also Acts chapter 10. It's whole household stuff when Cornelius' entire family gets brought in. And if there's a part of our family in our community that is not experiencing the rule and reign of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, we got a problem. Like, we got a problem, and you can turn a blind eye to it if you want to, but it doesn't make it any less of a problem. The gospel of the kingdom is that God is not far away. Jesus always said this, God's kingdom is at hand, meaning that it's within reach. The good news is that God's kingdom is at, at hand, it is within reach, and it can't just be stuck in certain parts of our community without breaking into other parts of our community. The good news is that God wants to reorder the whole area that we live in. And the reason he wants to do it is because he loves places and he's crazy about people. He loves places and he's crazy about people. Now, I've got a question. I've got a question. Uh, maybe somebody here might know it. How many churches are there in Campbellsville? It's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> what did you say, Kevin? 126. I've heard, I keep hearing a number that's really close to that. I've heard anywhere from 120 to 140, and that seems about right. You know, churches spring up and they spring down. <laughs> and then occasionally there's mad church, you know, like we disagree, so we start another church. We call that mad church. But there's somewhere around 126 churches, 120, well, 125. Is everybody good with that number? I don't know. Seems about right. There's 125 churches in Taylor County. Now, I've got a question. How in the world can there be 125 churches in Taylor County and there be so much poverty, underperforming students, 
no good jobs, and very little innovation. And how could it be that there'd be so many churches in Taylor County and most of our wealth and affluence and peace and joy be stuck on one side of Broadway while the other side of Broadway is radically different? How is that even possible? Whoa. Whoa. See, I think one of the reasons that's possible is because the church in Taylor County has mostly done the math like this. The gospel is go to heaven when you die. I don't recommend hell, by the way. I think one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to reorient the gospel of the kingdom away from something that's just private, internal, personal, individual, post-mortem. And he wants to renovate that into something that's you and me, here and now, everybody together. Man, it's, y'all feel that in this room? It's called reality. I like adding sound effects to it. One day I'm going to have a budget. I'm going to have a button up here. It's just going to be... Let it come. Now here's where... I, now I want to tell you some good news. Something I think is like freaking amazing. Here's what's amazing. Campbellsville's changed so much in the last four years. Like, it's not even the same place, you guys. It has changed so much and is changing, I-N-G, changed and changing. And here's what's crazy. Most of the crazy stuff that's going on in our community is being done by people in this church. Now, here's the thing. There are other people in other places at other churches and uh, other people who don't even like Jesus who are doing cool things in our community, and we're for it. But I want to tell you, that, uh, the, so much of what's happening in our community is right here, and it's, and it's vineyard people. And I believe one of the reasons it is vineyard people is because for 15 years we've been praying, let your kingdom come. You know, I don't know what everybody else has been doing. I can just say I know that's what we've been doing. And it took root in some people's hearts. And it's the reason that Main Street is radically different than it was four years ago. Four years ago, Main Street was a ghost town. It wasn't a proverbial ghost town. It was a ghost town. And now it's not. And almost every single thing that's sprung up on Main Street is vineyard people. It's vineyard people. Look, we've we got an amazing coffee shop on, on Main Street. Now, I, I want to tell you guys, that's an expression of God's kingdom. And some of you are like, an expression of God's kingdom? Yeah, it is. It's an expression of God's kingdom. Not only because it blesses Justin and Kendall and makes a way for their family, but they provided a space where you and I could meet one another, love one another, and, and become better friends. And, and friendship is an integral part of what the community of God is. Like, in, in heaven, people are going to be friends. They'll be coffee shops. There w- Look, he's going to raise it all up. The earth ain't going away. The new Jerusalem, the new heavens are going to come over, and somehow they're going to overlap the earth in a radical way. That's what, that's what Revelation 21 and 22 says. It ain't going away. It's getting renewed, you know? We've got to get away from this, like, this Tim LaHaye, everybody's going to get raptured. That's garbage. I'm just telling you. It's garbage. It ain't true. The rapture, none of that stuff is true. God's coming back. He's going to resurrect things. People are freaked out. Be freaked out. It isn't true. He's going to resurrect things. The mojo, that's, I'm back on track now. But the mojo, it's starting to happen here. 
the good news is it's starting to happen, and it's been happening with a lot of our people, and it's been happening on Main Street. Like, that's where the, the swirl has been. It's been on Main Street, and here's why that makes me so excited. It makes me so excited because that's south of Broadway. Oof, where is God moving? South of Broadway, kids. Well, here's the truth. He's moving everywhere. Anybody who wants to join him anywhere, God's moving there. But God has especially highlighted south of Broadway. God wants to move into South Campbellsville. God wants to move into South Campbellsville. He wants to move into Ray Street. God wants to move into Anacourt. God wants to move in, in down on, on Bell Avenue. God wants to go over there and he wants to do things. God's not okay with the way that stuff is arranged. He wants there to be a job. He wants there to be places for people to work. He wants people to get off of meth. He wants people to get off of pills. He wants people to go to the soccer games with their kids and, and hold hands and get a sunburn. God wants that. It's his dream, and I'm, I'm pumped because we're starting to like be a part of it and that he's begun to do it here among us and that it's happening south of Broadway. That's crazy good. Now, why am I bringing all this up? Because we can't stop. That's why. That's what I wanted to talk about this morning. We're here at the end. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, church, we gotta, we've been praying. We've got to keep praying. What are we going to pray? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and then secondly, what do we have to do? Uh, we, as Paul says, we've got to do everything as under the Lord. If you've got a job right now, you're not just working for a man. You're not just working for a woman. You don't just have a boss. You're working for Jesus. I don't care where you have. You're working for Jesus. You're working for Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at, where you're doing, uh, whether you love it or whether you hate it. You better learn how to love it because you're not just working for him and you're not just working for her. You're working for Jesus. I, my, one of my dreams is that the vineyard would be a place where people realize that even my job, even if it's my temporary job, even, even if it isn't my dream, I'm working for Jesus. I'm going to kick butt at it. This is, this is part of what it's going to take to renew things and cause the next level of what God wants to do to come in. Uh, we're not just sweeping floors for some guy for, for eight fifty or $9 an hour. We're sweeping floors for Jesus. And we're going to sweep the business out of those floors. <laughs> And what else have we got to do? This is a big one. I can say it to you really quickly, and it might take you 10 years to do it, okay? But the next thing, and this is my dream for my church anyway. My dream for this church is that everybody here would get free and do what you were made to do. And do it here. Do it here. You can do it here. Why not here? That's been my thing for 10 years. Why not here? Do what you were made to do. Get free and do what you were made to do. Get free from what? Anxiety and fear, number one. Those are always the things that keep you from doing what you were made to do. What are people mostly afraid of? People are mostly afraid of money issues. Money issues. Here's the deal. We've got to get set free from money issues, and we have to get set free from comparison of our current weakness with... The dream that we have in our heart. These are just massive issues. So for, for instance, money issues. Most of what's happening in Campbellsville, most of the really cool things that have happened on Main Street are be, have been done by people who had almost no money. And I know you don't believe me, and I'm not going to tell you their stories. I'll let you, tell, I'll let you go hear their stories from them. But let me affer, assure you as a pastor that almost every single person who has done something amazing in the last five years, especially on Main Street, in Campbellsville, successful people now, they did it with almost no Money. You, money is not the only determining factor. It's mostly heart. Heart. Grind your face off. Heart. How does it happen? Grind your face off. Heart. Money's not the only deal. You know, some of us are waiting in this room. We're waiting till we have $200,000 before we, you know, 
go and do the thing that we're going to do. Here's the problem with waiting until you have $200,000. When you get $200,000, because you can, if that's your real goal, you can get 200 Gs. When you get 200,000, you'll be just as frozen if you don't get, if you don't get rid of fear. And, and you'll, change the, you'll change the number. It'll go from 200,000 to a million. And you'll start telling everybody, well, when I get a million in the bank, then I'm going to do it. You know, J.P. Morgan was asked one time, how much money is enough? He said, a little bit more. Listen, money's not the issue. You don't need billions of dollars to do something amazing and to change our community. What you need is a little bit of heart and grind your face off. And that's what we need. Get set free. And we also have to get set free from comparison. We have to get set free from comparison. Some of us in the room right now, we have a dream. And the dream is, uh, let me put it this way. The dream is... The dream is, is, a, is a mature, uh, flourishing adult. Uh, but, but, but what we have in our hand is, is a tiny embryo. And so we compare the, the, somebody else's fully flourishing adult to our tiny embryo. Listen, of course you'll be depressed. You can't do that. It's okay. It's okay to start things really small. It's okay if things begin embryonic. Everything begins embryonic. You began embryonic and you're awesome now. Here we are. Amazing things often begin embryonic. We need, we need the, the freedom to begin to dream with God and to, and to begin to believe that tiny embryos of God's kingdom could come. Ten years ago, the Lord told me that Campbellsville was a Nazareth and, and that he was going to birth a spirit movement out of Campbellsville and people were, where people have said, can anything good come out of Campbellsville? He's going to show up with the Son of God. Listen, Mary was a person. She's not a figment of imagination. Mary was a person, a person. She's a flesh and blood person. She lived and she died. And she gave birth to the Son of God. Meaning that spirit and what God is doing is often being birthed by flesh and blood people. It's called incarnation. This is a really big deal. And God wants to do an incarnational thing in Campbellsville. He wants to warp people's minds. He wants to come in and overshadow us with His Holy Spirit. Impregnate us with a dream and watch us give birth to it. And by the way, the whole time it's going to be blood and guts. It's going to be tough. How many of you understand that when, Bar- when, Mary was, when Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, it was glorious, but when she gave birth to Jesus, it was a freaking mess. It's kind of humorous. You need to sit with that for a moment. It's a really good word. It's, it, this is how the kingdom comes. See, I have a dream. I have a dream in Campbellsville. I have a dream that our community would be an economic powerhouse and that we would be a city that is known for uh, renewable energy and that we would, lead, we would be part of leading the world in the next thing of renewable energy and it would give people jobs, like amazing, amazing jobs. Uh, probably three times a week I ask the Lord to send somebody from, from, uh, from, uh, from California or some technological place, some venture capitalist. I ask God all the time, would you send somebody amazing, some brilliant investor to Campbellsville and would you would you cause them to want to put something that has to do with renewable energy in Kentucky and would you give people not just uh, one or two jobs but God would you cause there to be like 10,000 jobs here and would you let us be a leader and sometimes when I do this people look at me like this they're like oh you're crazy no I'm not crazy no I'm not crazy no I'm not somebody's got to do it why not here why not here so why not here sometimes people look at me when I start talking like this and they're like you know, you know, we're just we're just mostly cattle farmers. Uh, no, we're not. We are cattle farmers, but that's not the only thing we are. And there's nothing wrong with being a cattle farmer, but it's not the only thing we're going to do. 
we're going to do something else. How many of you understand that Daniel Boone lived in a log cabin, but I live in, a, I live in a, an amazing house with air conditioning? You think, well, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> a lot. A lot. Because pioneers live a certain way, and we might be pioneering something, and this, this thing may start out as a log cabin version, but we're not going to be satisfied with staying in a log cabin with no air conditioning. We're going to something different. I think God wants to do something. I think there's brilliant people here in this room. I know there's brilliant people that was here in first service who are doing things. I think God wants to seed us with ideas. I think he wants to give us dreams and hope and vision that have to do with not just us, but a lot of other people. I think he wants to make Campbellsville, Nazareth. I think he wants to do something profound. I think he wants to give birth to something. I think it's revival. It may not look like John Wesley, but I think it's revival. Some of you are like, what's going on in this room? You're coming under the influence of hope. That's what's coming. You're just, that's all it is. You're like, you, get, you start to smile. You're like, what is that? It's, it's, there's a, there's, you, you gotta, we got to think different. There's a lot more possible. There's a lot more possible. We don't have to live like this. There's more possible. There is so much possible. Here, let, me, let me tell you part of the good news about living in Campbell's where, where there's nothing and you can't hardly make any money. The good news is it doesn't take any money to do something. That's the great news. It's always a double-edged sword. Every place where somebody says it's a problem, it's actually a solution. You just have to look at it different. All right. I think I've stirred up enough trouble. Do me a favor. Can everybody in this room do me a favor? Spend the next two years loving people, love God, and I want you to get free and do the thing you're supposed to do. And if it has to do with being here, that's amazing. If you've got to leave, dude, you've got to leave. But get free. For the love of Jesus, get free and do the thing you were supposed to do. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, we've only got about 78 years. Most of us in the room are going to get 78, 80, maybe 85 years if you don't smoke and go to the gym. And, that's, and then, come on, let's, come on. Let's make it count. I want to do something awesome, right? Hey, you guys can stand up. If you're on the ministry team, come forward this morning. Yeah. Man, we had so much fun first service. I'm still kind of got the mojo. God loves places. I think it's cool that Taylor County is shaped like a heart. I think he wants to do something in Taylor County that shows the love of God to the whole state. I think, I, just, I, think, I think these are not accidents. I think he wants to show the state the tremendous love and mercy of Jesus. Right out of the Campbellsville. What good thing could come from there? My goodness. Hey, why don't we do this? Uh, hey, if you feel like, if you feel like that, that part of your destiny is here in our community, and if you feel like you've got like, dreams and visions that are like embryonic, like tiny... And, and you don't know what's next. I just want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you. Come on up. It's okay. It's okay. Come on up. Move out of the way. I had a really cool meeting this week with Nathan. This was cool. Nathan, I, I want to share this with you guys because I thought it was really cool. It's one of the coolest things that happened this week. Nathan and I were talking. Nathan shared with me a, a, a dream that he has 
to, to shoot a movie in Campbellsville? Because in this, this is the part that hit me. He says, we have community theater, but we need community film. We, we do. We have to tell the story a billion ways, y'all. A billion ways. Awesome. Yeah. No, amazing. This is Brandon, y'all. So everybody say hello to Brandon. Hey, Clay County. Yeah. Hanging with us. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The Lord wants to do something. You know, this is this is this is big and wide. There's a stigma that sits on Kentucky and God's going to break it off. But it's not going to be just be broken off in church meetings. Y'all have to get this. It's not just going to get broken off by people getting saved and getting baptized. That's part of it. There's got to be that next thing. Uh, I'll tell you one more story and then we're going to pray. Uh, in John chapter 5, uh, Jesus heals the blind, I mean the, the, the lame guy at the pool. Y'all remember that story? He's like, why are you here? He's like, well, there's an angel that stirs the pool and I never get in in time. And Jesus is like, well, how about this? How about you just get up and walk? Right? All right, cool. A lot of people make ministries out of like revivalism and healing. And listen, we do that here. I, I do that a lot. I, I do it all the time. It's a good thing. But how many of you understand that when, when, the, when the lame guy got raised up, oh, that, that in the next few years, here's what he did. He got a wife. He got some kids. He went to work. And that was God's plan for his life. Like, that's the goodness. That's the goodness. We need that. So, yeah. All right, here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all, uh, I'm going to pray for these people when I'm done. I want y'all to talk to each other and pray for each other because we don't have a ministry team big enough for this. All right, everybody in the room, let's just put our hands out like this. Jesus, we ask that you'd fill our hands. And Father, as a church, we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in Campbellsville and in Clay County as it is in heaven. Yeah. Fill in the blank. You're smart people. God, we ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done and that it would be done in Russell Springs and Jamestown and Adair County and Marion County and Greene County and every surrounding county and LaRue County. God, we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in all of these places as it is in heaven. God, we just even now, we take authority over defeatist attitudes, uh, 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 hand ringers. God, people who are just hand ringers and arm folders and... Uh, Furrowed brow people who say, I don't know about that. I don't know about... We take authority over that mindset, God. We ask that you would infuse it with hope and lightness and laughter. God, we ask that, that people who are, who are crippled with pragmatism, that they would come under the influence of joy and hope and they become dreamers. God, we ask that, that just you're, you're a wave of something new. And God, we also ask that something crazy would happen. We ask that something crazy would happen in our community. God, that an industry would show up that is generative, that leads the world, that provides for families so moms can be moms and dads can be dads and kids can play soccer and go to school and be artists. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.